Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the wisdom you're giving us for the days to come, how to walk in heavenly places. We ask it in Jesus' name today that everybody's eyes and ears will be attent. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, you guessed it. We're going to talk about walking in heavenly places by faith, part two. In this first revelation, we're going to call it Calling All UBM. It was given to Vanessa Weeks, 7-21-23. I dreamed that Barry and I were at home and I was standing in the kitchen. A man's voice came on both of our cell phones as if a loudspeaker. It said, Calling all UBM, calling all UBM. I thought in a dream that this was a voice text from the leadership of UBM, but the voice was not anyone I knew. And then I woke up. Well, calling is a biblical term, kaleo, uh, meaning uh, an invitation. And it's always used as an invitation to partake of the benefits of God's kingdom, uh, which a lot of God's people don't do, even though they're God's people. Um, so God is calling us all to walk in these benefits. It's an invitation. That's what it means, invitation. I asked the Lord to show me what this call was about and uh, went back to sleep. And I saw a tall evergreen tree at the edge of a lake. And this reminded me of Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the wicked, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in its season, whose leaf also doth not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Well, we know that the water is the word of God. And that that's the most important thing that we're here for, is to partake of the benefits of the Word of God. It's the gospel. It's the promises. It's the benefit, right? So let us partake to the fullest so that we can have the most, which is Jesus Christ. So later in the night, I heard uh, Luke 14. I did not remember what this chapter was about. Most of it is about the Lord calling people to the marriage feast. 
Well, we know that that's what Jesus was doing. He was um, in the marriage feast. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. And they were going about and they were feeding on the word of God. So this, the feast of the seven days slash years that the bride and those invited will be feasting on the word that is the life of Jesus, the body and the blood of Christ. Amen. Luke 14 and 1. And it came to pass when he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees on a Sabbath to eat bread, that they were watching him. And behold, there was before him a certain man that had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they held their peace. And he took him and healed him and let him go. Well, let me say, it is not lawful to do man's works on the Sabbath. But they don't discern that. We're only to do God's works because that's not ceasing from your works, right? That is doing God's works. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. That means those who follow and walk with Him, who is the Word of God, are keeping the Sabbath every day, not just one, because now it's a Sabbatismos. It's an eternal Sabbath. <laughs> they don't know that. And verse 5 says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a well, and will not straightway draw him up on a Sabbath day? Because that was really a, a, a thing of life or death there, you know. And they could not answer again unto these things. They had to be very careful what they said. <laughs> uh, their legalism only suited them when it was put on someone else. That's the way legalistic people are. They can be the worst of sinners, but they're going to point out you and your sins. And he spake a parable unto those that were bidden. That's always, that's the same word, by the way, invited, invited. When he uh, marked how they chose out the chief seats, saying unto them, when thou art bidden of any man to a marriage feast, sit not down in the chief seat, lest happily a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. Again, bidden, invited, right? So they who humble themselves will be exalted. They cease from their own works. They keep the Sabbath, right? They humble themselves. And he that bade thee, and him that shall come and say to thee, Give this man place, and then thou shalt begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest place, that when he that hath bidden thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then, then shalt thou have glory in the presence of all that sit at meat with thee. For every one that exalteth himself shall be humbled, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Well, that's like a lot of the preachers out there who like to claim them, 
for themselves these exalted titles and positions, you know, that God didn't give them. And he said to him also that had bidden him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor rich neighbors, lest happily they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. Yeah, well, that's a lot of people make this mistake. These, these ought to be uh, to bring people into the kingdom, right? But when thou makest a feast, bid the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, because they have not wherewith to recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed in the resurrection of the just. That, that's when you really need the recompense, right? So what we do should not be because of advantage, but for the glory uh, from God who sees all, right? And verse 15, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many. And he sent forth his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, that's Kaleo again, uh, invited to partake of the benefits of the kingdom, right? Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. This is common today, common. Uh, the first said unto him, I have bought a field, and I must go, needs go out and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Making excuses for the most important thing, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Well, the majority of God's people love the world and the things of the world uh, more than the things of the kingdom. And I can understand that in some cases because when you go to their churches, it's boring. But they still should be sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? The uh, tribulation will wake them up to know that they have wasted their time in what they think was the kingdom. And the servant came and told his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, as he should be, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. There you go. The people who valued the things that the kingdom offered. Right? Those who are needy of the benefits of the kingdom uh, replaced those who were full of the world. Yeah. James 2 and 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, did not God choose them that are poor as to the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to them that love him? And 1 John two fifteen and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, 
and the vainglory of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And um, the servant said, Lord, what thou didst command is done, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and constrain them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men that were bidden shall taste of my supper. Oh my, this is terrible. All those people who had excuses rather than the feeding of the word of God uh, are losing out. So those who turn up uh, their nose to the kingdom for the lusts of the flesh will miss out. Now there went with him great multitudes, and he turned and he said unto them, If any man cometh unto me, and hateth not his own father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Well, this word, his own life here, the word suke, or their soulish life it's talking about. Uh, and this is meaning to hate their fleshly, soulish life enough to follow Jesus to life eternal. Because unless you get Jesus in you, you're not able to help them, right? So whosoever doth not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower, which is a safety thing, you know, for the future, right? Doth not first sit down and count the cost, whether he hath wherewith to complete it? Well, the cost is to give up the old life, obviously. Yeah. Verse 29. Lest haply when he hath laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all that behold begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king as he goeth to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and take counsel whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and asketh conditions of peace. Well, in the parable of the sower... Three of four did not bear fruit because we must give up the old life to have the new life. Second Corinthians 4 and 16 says, Wherefore, we faint not, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. See, both of these men want the same territory here. It's your soul, right? And so somebody's got to lose for somebody to win. <laughs> uh, verse 33. So therefore, whosoever he be of you that renounceth not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. We are no longer owners in the New Testament, folks. Uh, we just handle it for God. Amen. Salt, therefore, is good, but if even the salt have lost its favor, its savor, uh, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is fit neither for the land nor for the dunghill. Men cast it out. 
He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Revelation 3, by the way, 15 through 17 says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So, because thou art lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and have gotten riches, and have need of nothing, except for one thing, God. And knowest not that thou art wretched one, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. So, Father, let us answer your call. And come in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we call this one Childlike Faith, and it's anonymous, 42423. Our young son was purposely free-falling and jumping backwards without any fear or doubt and unbelief. He doesn't even know where he will fall and what he will land on. He has no worry, but just trusts God that he will be fine. He was also doing forward jumps and falls, and he had much joy and enjoyed it very much. I love that childlike faith that he can jump or fall without any worry and without any complaint, and I love how he has no fear or doubt. I love that I can pick him up whenever I want, no matter what he is doing, and he doesn't complain about me interrupting his plans or his activity, but is calm and content. I mean, of course, we're being spoken to here, right? (laughs) Okay, not just the little children. We have to become as little children. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas when God interrupts my plans for His, or when things don't go the way I planned, I battle complaining and battle my own will. But I hope and desire to have that same childlike faith that God knows best and His way is best always. And I should be content no matter what situation God puts me in and be without complaint. I love how our son doesn't worry about what he will eat and what he will wear, and he doesn't worry about the past or the future, but lives in the moment. And he appreciates all the little tiny things as well as the big, and he is grateful. I love how he wakes up with extreme joy and energy in spirit and in the physical. And he doesn't complain or worry about the day, but he always starts it with much joy. I love how he doesn't hold on to anything negative even when he doesn't get his own way. He is quick to let go of it, and he doesn't hold a grudge or unforgiveness. I need all these things, and I need God's grace to allow it to manifest, but I love so much his childlike faith, and I want it. Matthew eighteen two through five. 
And he called to him a little child and set it in their midst. And he said, Amen, I say unto you, except you turn and become as the little children, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of the heavens. Whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greater in the kingdom of the heavens. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Well, went, they went on. Father, uh, holy, sovereign God, please give us all grace and faith to believe and to manifest childlike faith in all things. Allow us and let our will be to truly appreciate you for all things and to not want what you haven't given us. Allow us not to worry about what we will eat or what we will wear or anything else. Allow us to praise you and thank you with our spirit, soul, and body every second, no matter what circumstance we are in. Let us be always grateful and let us live for each moment and allow us to let go of all the past and not to worry about the future, but to stand strong in your word and promises and spirit. Allow us to trust you with all of our existence and allow us to fall back into your arms having no doubt, fear, or worry. And allow us to always rest in you and your word every moment. Thank you, Father, for blessing us all with childlike faith. All glory to you forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, that everything will worship you now and for eternity. Amen. Oh, so true. Hmm. And this one we called uh, Cardboard Skateboard. Andrew Slojewski. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. I never got it right. He's a good guy, too. <laughs> Nine, twelve, twenty-two. I dreamed about a house I had in a small town called Plantagenet. Well, Webster's says of this, of or relating to a royal house ruling England from 1154 to 1485 a nickname of the family adopted as a surname, possibly just pointing to a house of royalty uh, in this particular dream. Okay, We know that we are king's kids, and we are royalty, right? Well, there were three rooms empty of furniture on the first level. wasn't being used. Um, that's maybe a good sign. It had a living room, a passageway into the dining room, and a small landing two stairs up. Then down into the kitchen and a doorway back into the living room, three rooms in a circle. David Eels was there and two other grown-ups and perhaps Michael Hare. We were all watching David make a cardboard skateboard. Wonder how that will work. Hmm? He even uh, stuck on two cardboard rectangles for wheels. 
without glue or anything. And I was looking on and I thought, that's not going to work. As one would be puzzled in a dream. Well, I think this is pointing to the creation of an imagination of faith. In itself, nothing is possible. But when faith is added, all things are possible. David then got on the skateboard and went the width of the living room through the length of the dining room, and somehow, I didn't see this part, but he went up the two stairs into the onto the landing, and a white door closed behind him. In other words, righteousness and purity. And there was a big enough gap under the door to see the cardboard go onward. What's the chances, right? Well, in the natural world, none. But in the kingdom, everything is possible. An imagination of faith that enabled him to go higher in the house of royalty is what is being told here. Uh, here is an imagination that will do this. Second Corinthians, this is an imagination. Think about it. Second Corinthians 3 and 18, one of my favorites. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, that's an imagination, right? Are transformed into that same image, but it's one that comes to pass, right? Uh, and an image here is an imagination. That same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. A very important imagination that causes us to go higher. Right. So I went around to the living room and kitchen entrance where I saw David come in on the board. And I was looking really hard to see how this was working. Bending low to see, he was showing some style going back and forth around the living room. So he was basically being carried without the effort of the flesh being involved at all on entering into the rest of faith, a Sabbath of sorts, I would say. And it's all involved in our faith, believing we have received something we don't see, right? So I went to the other end of the living room where the others were, David then uh, threw the cardboard skateboard to me and said, Your turn. I caught it, and all that was left of it was the uh, top, like a thin brown piece of card paper, shaped like a skateboard. I took it and put it in the place where David started and got on it and went the same way David did, the width of the living room and the length of the dining room. I believe this is representing uh, imagination and faith uh, that will bring the normal spiritual life and nourishment, uh, the living room and the dining room, and nourishment for the spiritual man. You know, we're in training to be sons of God. That's a very supernatural thing, right? 
The weird thing is, where I didn't see David skate on the landing and in the kitchen, I was somehow moved or transported and then found myself in the living room where I saw David skate. I went the length of the room to a stop and said, It works! <laughs> to my surprise, all the grown-ups were gone. And a child, there you go, about 12 years old, said, Of course it works. I don't know if that was uh, David as a child. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. But you have to be a child to walk in faith and not walk by sight, right? Well, the man-child David's uh, showing others how to use the imagination to create and, and go in childlike faith. Trusting and believing, Father, that it will work. Yes, that's what that represents. Then I went to the dining room window to look outside and said, It's not supposed to be cold. After all, it's winter time. What was he looking at? Well, for I saw three children out there, two boys and a girl in summer shorts and shirts. And I think that this means that by imagination and faith, we can live above the worldly elements, the things that cause us to do this and cause us to do that, like cause you to put a coat on or whatever, you know. Um, so we must be sure to have only good imaginations. Remember, the flood came because man's imagination was only evil continually. And you know people who have evil imaginations. That's all they think on. And, of course, that's what their lusts are. The faction are taken over by Satan this way, by their evil imaginations. And they're just full of lust because of their imaginations all the time. We knew that when we had dreams constantly about Kevin, the leader of that cult, uh, lusting after and seducing and um, <sighs> molesting our women. Yeah. So that was an imagination that started out that way and ended up in fact. So keep your focus on the light. That's the name of this one. It's also by Anonymous 10 I was in the shower speaking with the Lord, and then the devil came along and gave me a thought comparing myself to another person. I've been casting down, criticizing, judgmental, uh, comparing thoughts uh, a lot of the past week. That's a good thing. I went and cast it down, and then heard the Lord say, Look not to the left, nor to the right. Well, that reminded me of this. Stay on and keep your eyes on the straight and narrow path of the Word of God. Joshua 1, 7 and 8 says, Only be strong and very courageous to observe to do according to all of the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. There it is. In other words, keep your eyes on the, the goal, right? Don't get waste time in between. That thou mayest have good success whithersoever thou goest. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. See, you have to meditate on it. It has to be in your imagination before you can actually do it. We do that. We think about things. When we build something, we think about it, how we build it, and so on and so forth. And then we go and do it. Well, that's why God says, keep your mind in the Word of God. So that you don't have any room for evil imaginations, or just fleshly imaginations. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Yes, he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Then I saw Jesus standing up ahead. He was wearing a glowing white light outfit and had his arms open. So in other words, after going this way with the imagination, we get to see Jesus, right? It felt as if he was waiting for me to continue walking, in other words, in this way, to get closer and closer to him. Yes, this is how we do it. He was constantly watching me, not taking his eyes off of me. His presence was so patient, gentle, kind, understanding, loving, so peaceful. And there really aren't enough words to describe his presence. Behind him was this giant bright light shining. And the closer I got to him, the brighter and bigger the light was. Well, this is, I believe, talking about coming into the sun, S-U-N slash S-O-N, glory of God, shining brighter. Behind me was complete darkness, and it kept lessening. It looked kind of like a tunnel of light with darkness all around and an opening of light up ahead with Jesus standing in front of it. The closer I got to Jesus, the more light and peace there was. That's the way it is all the time. The closer you get to Jesus, the more light and peace you will have. And I felt this meant about keeping our eyes completely focused on Jesus and our own walk or race to Him, not looking at other brethren to compare our walk with them, not looking back to the darkness or looking around but only looking to Him. Second Corinthians 3 and 18 again. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. Keep your eyes on the Jesus in the mirror, right? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. Some people don't think it's possible to come into the glory of Jesus, but he's telling us how to do it. We have to use our imagination, our renewed heavenly imagination. Proverbs four twenty five through 27 says, Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Make level the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. 
So this is turning to the side, not staying on the narrow path. It's it's um, staying out of uh, evil. You don't want to go right or left. Second Corinthians ten twelve says, For we are not bold to number or compare ourselves with certain of them that command themselves, or commend themselves, excuse me, but they themselves measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves with themselves are without understanding. Yes, you're supposed to be looking in the mirror and seeing Jesus. Forget the other people. And Isaiah 26 and 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Amen. And we call this one discerning every thought. Anonymous ten eighteen twenty two. I was sitting on the couch and suddenly I got thoughts and feelings that were normal to the carnal man, but contrary to God's Holy Spirit. I was wondering why it came so suddenly, and then I saw a fallen angel, a demon, standing next to me whispering in my ear. It was giving me thoughts and trying to make me think its thoughts were my own thoughts. Yes, that's what they normally do. I felt the Lord was showing me that when we get thoughts or physical feelings that are not the fruit of the Spirit or the Word, that it is just demons giving us thoughts and feelings Knowing it is a demon speaking to us makes it easier to quickly recognize it and cast it down and to hate it. Yes, amen. Just as I wrote this up, I remember the verse, Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I also will forget thy children. Hmm. Well, that reminded me of Romans 3 and 4. God forbid, yea, let God be found true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy words, and mightest prevail when thou comest into judgment. And 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God. Imaginations have to be cast down. If they're contrary to what God wants for you or your goal, or what is righteousness, cast it down. And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, we call this Hugging Jesus Vision. Anonymous, ten eighteen twenty two. I had been battling rejection for a long time, and I recently decided that I really want to come 100% out of agreement with it by God's grace and Spirit. And the Lord has been helping me along more and more with it. 
All of a sudden, I felt the Lord's presence strong, and I knew it wasn't me, but Jesus through me, looking at my husband with compassion, mercy, and love. I could see him manifesting rejection. Father said to me that I should go over and hug him as if he is Jesus. I'm rarely affectionate, which uh, the Lord showed me recently is because of a spirit of rejection that uh, I had since my mother's womb because my parents wanted to abort me. Hmm, that happens, you know. I felt the Lord only through me and no demons in me putting up walls to not hug. So the demons uh, wanted to do this but couldn't. I felt the Lord only through me, which they usually do. The demons usually do this. That's right. They put up walls. Fear of rejection. Rejection and fear of rejection. I just felt Father's peace, joy, calm, gentle love. I, that is Jesus in me, went over to my husband and hugged him, thinking of him as Jesus through his flesh, hugging me back, and Jesus in me. I felt God's presence really intense while in this long hug. Although it was as if I couldn't feel time, just Father's presence. All of a sudden, I saw as a third person, me hugging Jesus, and the ground underneath us shattered and split apart like an earthquake. Well, this is an imagination that can bring a person to safety, right? It kept moving apart, and the ground under us formed into this big, deep, dark hole, so deep that I couldn't see the bottom of it. If I saw this in the natural, I would have had fear and been terrified. Also battling fear of heights, however, fear didn't even try and come on me. I just felt Father's peace which surpassed understanding and love and joy in hugging Jesus. Jesus and I hugging were just like floating in the air, not having moved even an inch, even though the ground we were standing on had broken and split and we were above a hole. Just as I am writing this, these verses came to my mind. Psalm 62 and 1. My soul waiteth in silence for God. For God only. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my high tower. I shall not be greatly moved. Can you imagine that? Hmm. And Psalm 16 and 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall dwell in safety. For thou wilt not leave my soul to Sheol, 
neither wilt thou suffer my Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy right hand there are pleasures for evermore. Amen. I was amazing seeing us in the exact position floating when everything else underneath was completely shaken and changed. I witnessed in the third person the destruction that happened to the ground, but me hugging Jesus in the vision wasn't phased by what was happening, not even taking my eyes off Jesus to look at what was going on. I just stayed hugging Jesus in the, in his peace, trusting in him, knowing that he has me in his arms and he will never let me go. I'm not sure how long we were hugging, but I just felt Father's presence intensely the whole time. And when we stopped hugging, I could feel Father's presence on my husband also. Well, Praise God for the continuously manifesting in the physical complete deliverance from rejection and all unclean things. Praise you, Father. All glory to you. Just as I am writing this, my husband is dancing in praise to the Lord. Praise God. 2 Corinthians five sixteen and 17 says, Wherefore, we henceforth know no man after the flesh. Well, that was a different way to see your husband, and a very effective one, obviously. If we see Jesus in the mirror, we can see uh, them as Jesus too, right? Even though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now we know him so no more. Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, and the old things are passed away, and behold, they are become new. We should believe this for ourselves, by the way, and for others, right? And Colossians 1, 26 and 27, Even the mystery which hath been hid for ages and generations but now it hath been manifested to his saints, to whom God was pleased to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Philemon 1 and 6, that the fellowship of thy faith may become effectual in the knowledge of every good thing which is in you unto Christ. Well, notice that. Every good thing which is in you. He's talking about, of course, the seed of Christ which grows up into Christ, right? Uh, unto Christ, it says. The knowledge of every good thing which is in you unto Christ. We'll call this next one Exposure of Hidden Dross. Anonymous 62723. And this is a word from the Lord. 
The recent trials and events coming upon you all are to expose hidden things that are in your heart. These trials are my mercy and grace to bring darkness and lies into the light. Without these trials, you wouldn't see what is hiding within you. When you see the evil that has been hiding, you can recognize it, but you have to come out of agreement with it. So when you see it, do something about it. Rebuke it. If it's a spirit, rebuke it if it's flesh, but believe you have Jesus in the mirror. The recent factions had hidden evils in their heart. And it was brought into the light, and they chose their sin, their demon, rather than choosing my spirit, the way of complete holiness. My eternal bride is glorious and is perfect, just as my son. If you are content with only having a distant friend relationship with me, then you will have that. There are many here with me even now who are not as close to me as they could have been or be though they are as close to me as they want to be yeah to be closer to me you need to let go of all subtle idols what would you rather be doing than be in my presence or what are you doing without my presence with you? If you aren't constantly communing with me now, how will you commune with me every moment for all eternity? You know, we just need to put Jesus first. He's not saying we don't enjoy other things that he gives us and so on and so forth. But we got to put him first and we can't get distracted with these other things or spend all of our time and love on these other things, right? Choose while, wisely as your decisions now affect your eternity. Count these trials as joy and a blessing that you are worthy to suffer for my namesake, that you will be holy without spot or blemish and be able to stand in my presence. To my chosen, I will keep destroying every idol you have that isn't me. I'm jealous for you, and I will do what it takes for you to choose me in everything. I will show you that there is no answer or satisfaction in anything other than me. I felt this meant that he will do whatever it takes for us to let go of idols. And this will hurt if our heart is with the idol, but ultimately it is for our own good. So rest in my promises and they will manifest. Submit to me and the devil will flee. Seek me on my purpose in this trial and what I am trying to teach you. Learning this lesson quickly helps the trial pass quicker but do so without doubt and complaint. I am for you and not against you. Everything I do is to perfect you. 
but I can only do my work when you allow me to do it. Allow your eyes to be opened to see in which areas you are out of my will. Allow me to help you get rid of all earthly mindset and carnal reasoning. Remember, I am in control no matter what happens. Get deep into my presence. Meditate and seek me with all your mind, soul, and spirit. And you will see clearly in the light the truth of what is going on and why. In my presence, you will discern the evil and good and see the things that are really in your heart. Give the sin to me. I want to take it away from you, but I won't force it from you. Look at those that fell away. You are a witness to what happens to those who won't give up their hidden sins. Yes, we are. The path they take is a dangerous one that only a few return back from. Yes, we've seen that too. I felt God is shaking everything that can be shaken inside of us and to bring secret things in us to light so that we can come out from of agreement with them and in exchange we will be closer to Him. A good deal. Allow the Lord's control. This is Samuel fire four twenty four twenty three. In prayer I heard only I can lift you up, not self, not anything else. Learn and appreciate what I am and what I have done for you. You are either with me or against me. If you are against me, which is futile, uh, will end in weeping and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness forever. Well, amen. That's where it will end. I have supplied all of your needs. Remember, my son, the one and the only. He wants you in my presence forever. He did He did all and nothing was left out. So go and learn what receive is. Find out the ways that you can receive everything that I am. Stand in the faith, be vigilant and aggressive against the lies you have been chosen. Finish the test strong and believe the results outweigh the trials. Remember who you are to me. I am near and need you more than you acknowledge. Read, pray, praise, and keep focused. There are so many people deep in need for me. Be the light and example for them to follow. Stop reacting and act accordingly as my son. Be the image and character which is adored and sought after. Everything is against the Christ in you. Yet you have not a measure 
to be compared to the victory already done. Amen. It's all been paid for by Jesus. We don't live anymore. Jesus lives in us. That's our good confession in the sight of many witnesses. Be mindful of the thoughts of freedom and eternity. Nothing can separate you from the family in me. Be alert as the enemy is prowling to harm and to take what I bless you with. I felt we need to consider everything as though the enemy is trying to sneak in like a virus in a computer file. John 8 and 44 says, You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father it is your will to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and standeth not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father thereof. John 10 and 10. The thief cometh not, but that he may steal, and kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life, and may have it abundantly. Okay, we call this one Dancing with the Lord. Marie Kelton, 4.17.23 During the meeting I had an open vision, and when I looked down at my legs, I saw that I had my old leg braces on. She was healed of that when she came here. Then Jesus came and knelt down and loosened the straps and took my braces off. I then saw myself in a white dress dancing in a ballroom with the Lord, who was also wearing all white. Well, the leg braces are an external man-made device that supports, stabilizes, compresses, or simply protects the leg, helping one to stand and to walk. There's no longer a need for the leg braces because the Lord has healed her and He is her strength and stability. He causes her to walk in righteousness and she walks uprightly in her heart in truth by faith in His grace. Dancing with the Lord represents being close to Him, moving freely with Him and following in His steps as He leads the bride and they move together as one. Psalm 15 and 2 says, He that walketh uprightly shall work righteousness and speak truth in his heart. Proverbs 27 uh, and 8 says, He layeth up sound wisdom for the upright, and he is a shield to them that walk in integrity, that he may guard the paths of justice and preserve the way of his saints. Revelation 3, 4, and 5. But thou hast a few names in Sardis that did not defile their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh shall thus be arrayed in white garments. And I will in no wise blot his name out of the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father 
and before the angels. Amen. Second Samuel 6 and 14. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. Jeremiah 31 and 13. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy, and I will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. Psalm 30.11 Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Psalm 149, 1-3 Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in Him that made Him. Let the children of the Zion be uh, joyful in their King. Let them praise His name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto Him with timbrel and harp. And the Song of Solomon 6 and 13, Return, return, O Shulamite. Return, return, that we may look upon thee. Leading what will. Why will you look upon the Shulamite as upon the dance of Mahanam? Excuse me. And we call this one the warmth of his love. Samuel 5, 5, 19, 23. I was in prayer, and I heard. Know that you are chosen and paid for, fought for, and very important to me. The importance of declaring this over and over in every way possible makes the ground you hold clean and new. There you go. Know that you are chosen and paid for, fought for, and very important to me. So, and that, so that will clean your ground, right? It's after these things are continually worked on that my love will be established and grow through you uh, who are uh, and the things and the people around you. Amen. Amen. Fire will burn. There is plenty to keep it going. Are you warm? How about the people around you? Spiritually, this hunger and desire is filled, but it it takes the removal of the old flesh to accept and move with the sensation of a life set apart for a purpose. Yes, amen. The flame is not all about the heat and burning. Look at the glow. It moves, it spreads, I am in you, and now you are exactly where I want you to be. And each aspect is for a good reason. Be ye happy with me. If there is an evil thing manifesting, it has taken a position more important to you than the love of my Son. 
If you want to be free of something, remove the things that cause the sin. The absence of evil allows goodness to grow. Substitute the reactions and ill feelings with the power and love of Christ. Just hold on to this truth. Nothing can outlast or overwhelm me. Amen. Romans eight thirty five through 39 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? Or sword, even as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I saw a pot of water boiling. It made steam. I was shown the water will keep evaporating if the fire is kept boiling the pot. It just needs to be boiling. So the fire had to remain and never get too low. Soon the water goes lower, and the fire was more than enough for the water to keep boiling and had a greater power to keep making steam. Eventually, the water boiled off completely, and the pot was getting so hot it was changing color. I was then told the water is the evil stuff that accumulated in life. The fire is now getting those things to come up and eventually leave as steam. The steam are the times things got too excessive but never remained. The fire is me and the word being applied, thinking and living the way of Christ. The pot is the vessel, the life, and the timeline lived. Matthew three eleven and 12 says, I indeed baptize you in water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into the garner. But the chaff he will burn up with unquenchable fire. There it is. You go through the fiery trial to get rid of the wood, hay, and the stubble, right? These trials are nothing compared to those who have not used their faith or trust in me. You will overcome and be glad. Hold and 
Frame the picture of the end. See yourself and what you are clothed in and who you're next to and where you are. I am very pleased. This is a way to arrive at the end is to see yourself there, right? Heaven's Vision, Samuel 5, 3, 25, 23. In this vision I had been filled with weightlessness and I rose up higher. I kept being lifted up until I saw that I was above what I could describe as a floor of completely white clouds, which led to an area with golden gates as an entrance. I approached the gates, although I was hesitant to, as I was uncertain if I was welcome and worthy. The closer I came to the gates, I was filled with excitement and thrills. But in calm and peace, I wish I had better words to describe this. It kept getting more intense, but it never felt overwhelming or fake. Then I looked ahead into the depths of heaven, beyond the gates, and there was an intense bright white light which reached all around. And while I looked, I heard amazing and beautiful singing. I felt such joy and bliss. And where I was... I was happy and delighted, not wanting to return to the physical place anymore. It was the peak level of happiness I have not had before and totally genuine. I then was erupting with excitement and praise to our Father. As I did this, the very moment... I felt the great Father of all calling me, but I didn't hear as my name. uh, He allowed me to come closer and enter through the entrance gates area towards him. The golden gates were opened, but I didn't realize that they had opened up. I didn't see an action for them opening. They just opened. They just were open. So this part I really want to describe as best as I can. I would have been super pleased for all eternity being in that one spot. What I saw looking in one spot at one part of the walls was a crystal rainbow but clear and golden glowing light, which looked so beautiful. I was content and delighted if I were to stare at this forever. Then to move my eyes, even to move my head, to look around, I was then filled more and more with delight and joy. I was so filled up with amazing emotions beyond anything I could say I have experienced in the physical. Then, obeying the call of the Father and my attempt to move, 
I made the action to take a step closer. I was beyond ecstasy again, but in a clean and pure form. Each step I took, I was giving a massive thank you, God, Almighty Father, and was so joyful. I then saw all of the saints beyond number of a packed city. All were excitedly running around and doing various tasks, and all for our Father in complete joy. There was a specific and special purpose for everyone, and everyone were all delighted to do anything possible for Father. I saw a little girl making what seemed to be a drawing on paper and folding it into a shape. I didn't recognize and then excitedly running off towards the father to gift it to him. I saw another, an older male, working on a very intricate device which seemed electronic but had so many moving parts and things. And he kept wanting to add more and more to the design so it could please the Father. And each person was doing something to please the Father. I then saw millions in a group, all praying and praising in song and dance. I looked to another area and saw another million were on their knees and lying flat in prayer and worship. I didn't see much more than this as I was drawn closer. I then had what I think was an angel next to me, uh, which I didn't see before. Very tall, like 15 feet or so. Translucent, but super tough and strong looking. I couldn't look up at the face, and I heard a male voice spoke softly. I was instructed to go back to the physical, but I didn't want to go back. I just wanted to be closer to the Father and to, and to be there at all of my desire is all of my desire. I then learned that my physical time is a one-time opportunity to be all and do all and manifest for Him and His glory. That I needed to do everything I can to honor and serve Him in this physical. For time is short and my opportunity to give all that I can. I was then brought out of the vision, and I felt that I really needed to press into the Lord and ask for prayer and pray for anything and for all. I was convinced to truly do my duty and seek His kingdom. I was just as I was thinking this, uh, I felt a wave of love and encouragement as though He our awesome Lord Jesus gave me a nod of approval. 
My dearest brothers and sisters, truly I mean this. He delights in us and loves us, and He is with us and wants us to try and believe always. Amen. At the time of the Lord is the name of this. At the time of the Lord. Samuel Fire, 2022. I was in prayer and desiring to know who will be alive at the coming of the Lord. I then was taken into a vision where I heard all these surnames of some brethren in local and outreach UBM being called out. After each name, I saw those who I knew of that surname in UBM walk out into a group with others who I think were their children. I looked over and I saw them standing in brilliant, white, glowing, amazing clothing, and the area was a big, green, grassy field with giant trees and a river flowing nearby. More of the names were read out, and each of these families were walking around into this area, meeting up together. I heard so many, many names, and of people that I didn't really remember, and some I only had heard of online or in conversation. Then I felt God draw my attention as though His holy hand gently turned my head from seeing this to focus my attention on Him. And I felt He meant for me to look only to Him as the time is yet to come. Well, amen, amen. Okay, we call this Endure in Your Faith to the End. And this is David Eels. Hmm. Have you ever received promises from God that you really desired but lost faith in because much time passed and there was much failure on your part to live up to your expectations? And you think that this is the reason that the promises won't be fulfilled? Hmm. We have received many times by faith at random, Psalm 102, 13. Thou wilt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for it is time to have pity upon her. Yea, the set time is come. So we're on the verge of many promises being fulfilled at this time. And also to people who have failed to live up to what they thought they should have been. In all of your failure, continue to be justified by faith and also forgive your fellow man. Their failures will believe and believe now so the promises can come to pass. So, um, we are entering a season of fulfillment. We also received these verses by faith at random about now is the time. Isaiah 33.10 says, Now will I arise, says the Lord. Now will I lift up myself. 
Now will I be exalted. Psalm 12 and 5 says, Because of the oppression of the poor, because of the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety that he panteth for. It is now that we have no time for double-mindedness because of our past failures or sin. Forget the failures and the inability of the past with its condemnation. Be justified by faith, repent, and believe. Here's a perfect example of a man receiving an important promise, but then went through much unbelief and failure and self-works in his uncircumcised heart. But when the time came, God reminded him of the promise and brought it to pass through his renewed faith. Romans 4, 1 through 10. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, hath found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not towards God. Well, like many of us, Abraham's faith and works failed him uh, for many years, but when the set time was come, it was impossible for him to bring it to pass by the works of man. He and Sarah were too old and double-minded. James 1 and 6, But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting, for he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. It was then that God reminded him of the promise and renewed his faith. For what saith the Scripture? And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. And then the promise was fulfilled. Verse 4, Now to him that worketh the reward is not reckoned as of grace, but as of a debt. The answer can only come by grace which is unmerited and unearned by man's works. Pray for mercy and grace, by which faith will come. Verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is reckoned for righteousness. So, up to this point, Abraham was ungodly in his works to bring to pass the promises. Only the works of faith are considered righteous. Even as David also pronounced blessing upon the man unto whom God reckoneth righteousness apart from works. That's the works of man, right? Saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not reckon sin. So, this grace through faith was given to a man who did not deserve it by his works. Is this blessing then pronounced upon the circumcision or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say, to Abraham his faith was reckoned for righteousness. How then was it reckoned? 
when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. The promise was given when Abraham was sowing a seed of uncircumcised flesh. What can that get you? Well, it can get you an Ishmael. Abraham wanted God to accept Ishmael as the promised seed, but God refused because his work was of the flesh of man. Then we'll read from 17 to 25. As it is written, A father of many nations have I made thee, before him whom he believed, even God, who giveth life to the dead, and calleth the things that are not as though they were. So Abraham and Sarah were dead to any ability to bring forth the promised seed. And we also are dead to any ability to bring forth the promised seed of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And here's where we can receive the unmerited, unearned favor of God. We cannot pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. Verse 18. Who in hope believed against hope, to the end that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which has had been spoken, so shall thy seed be. So within the year of the fulfillment of the promise, Abraham began to believe God by his grace, while ignoring his inability and Sarah's. And without being weakened in faith, he considered his own body now as good as dead, he being about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet looking unto the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief, but waxed strong through faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Wherefore also it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. Well, since it was impossible for them to do this, there was only one other choice. Believe God and be counted as righteous so he could have the promise, right? Romans 3, 3 and 4. For what if some were without faith? Shall their want of faith make of none effect the faithfulness of God? God forbid. So it was in this state of unfaithfulness to God's promise that Abraham and Sarah were to confess the promise and be justified in their words. Yea, let God be found true, and every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified, that means accounted righteous, in thy words, and mightest prevail when thou comest into judgment. So you can prevail when you confess the Lord. You confess and believe what He says, not even your experiences, but what He says. And so, you mightest prevail when thou comest into judgment. 
We prevail or overcome in judgment when we confess the Lord's promises with our words. And when we are accounted righteous, we are entitled to faith, which is the victory that overcomes the world. So back to Romans 4 and 23. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was reckoned unto him, but for our sake also unto whom it shall be reckoned who believe on Him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. When Jesus died, we died. And when He was resurrected, we received resurrection life. Have you failed? We'll ask for faith through grace. And confess the promises. Confess in Greek is homo legeo. And it means to speak the same as. In other words, to say what God says about you and others and your circumstances. Hebrews 3 and 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. In other words, you are invited to partake of heaven. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, even Jesus. And 4 and 14 goes on, Having then a great high priest who hath passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Amen. So Jesus, as our high priest, must have a sacrifice from us to give to the Father. And Matthew 10 and 32 says, Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And Luke 12 and 8, And I say unto you, Everyone who shall confess me before men, him shall the, fa- the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. When we confess in agreement with God's promises, the angels are given authority of the Father and Son to fulfill our confession. In Psalm 103 and 20, Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that are mighty in strength, that fulfill His word, hearkening unto the voice of His word. You know, the angels, when they hear you speaking the Word of God and are in agreement with the Word of God, they act. Hebrews 10 and 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, that it waver not, for He is faithful that promised. And 13 and 15, Through Him, then, let us offer up a sacrifice of praise to God continually, That is the fruit of the lips which makes confession to His name. Confess what you know God wants you to have. Confess what the Bible says you have. Confess the promises He's given you in dreams and visions and revelations. Don't worry about all the failures you've done in between the the beginning and now. Confess it. Repent and confess it. Speak life into every situation or every circumstance. 
Proverbs 18 and 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Mark 11 and 23, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou taken up and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he saith cometh to pass, he shall have it. Whosoever shows that he wasn't only talking to his disciples and apostles at that time, but that he was talking to all disciples because disciples are the only ones who will take him seriously and recognize his authority as a gift of faith. Again, Jesus was not only speaking to the apostles and disciples back in his time, but to anyone, from them to us, who believes that he can have this authority. Is this just a silly statement that no one will ever really take him up on? No, for sure this is not true. There have been many people who have commanded their personal mountains and giants out of the way. Multitudes of people have exercised this authority over Satan, over the flesh, and over their circumstances, and over the curse. God is faithful to stand by His Word, not because we deserve it, but due to His mercy and grace. He has said, According to your faith be it done unto you. Matthew 9 and 29. And go thy way as thou hast believed, so shall it be done unto thee. Matthew 8 and 13. Whosoever includes you and me and any other believer. So this authority has been put in our hands as sons of the last Adam. And not only given to those disciples in Jesus' day, as some say. Mark 16 and 14 says, And afterwards he was manifested unto the eleven themselves, and they sat, as they sat at meat. And he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them that had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye in all the world, and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that disbelieveth shall be condemned. So Jesus is referring to the disciples of the disciples. That's right. Disciples, which is Greek, mathetes, meaning learner and a follower. So it's still true of learners and followers of the Lord. He is our Master, our Lord, our example. He is the one who does the works through us. And Mark 16 and 17. And these signs shall accompany them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall in no wise hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover.
So now we see that these signs will accompany those who simply believe, and not only the great apostles, right? So that is authority. Jesus is giving authority to the people who believe these first disciples or forefathers of Christianity who wrote these pages to us. He has given us this authority to do good in the name of the Lord. All principalities and powers have been put under Jesus's Matthew 28 and 18. Even His feet. And we are His body. Ephesians 1, 20 and 23. We have this authority, but it can be negative or positive. For example, when the Lord brought His people out of Egypt and into the wilderness, they continued to speak negatively and exercise their faith in a negative way. Faith is just what you believe. You can believe what God has spoken to you, or, or you can believe the things which you see in the world. But Jesus said, according to your faith be it done unto you. Matthew 9 and 29. Faith is both negative and positive. Even fear is faith. However, it's faith in the curse or faith in reverse. Uh, in other words, having faith in adverse circumstances and in the devil or the curse, um, these absolute proof in the world is that what people believe happens to them. Even Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. He had faith for it, right? So doctors say that approximately 90% and higher of sicknesses are psychosomatic. And the Greek is suke, meaning our soul, and soma, meaning body. And this implies soul over body. And your soul is taking authority over your body. That's why it's psychosomatic. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Therefore, your mind, will, and emotions are making your body sick. The doctors are wrong in stating that 90% and higher of sicknesses are psychosomatic. The number is 100%. (laughs) What makes people sick is what they believe. In fact, what you believe can kill you. And as we saw in Matthew 18 and 18, you are the one who binds and who looses. And you are the one who creates your own future. You are the one who gives authority to the devil or gives authority unto God. Jesus needed authority. But when he went to his hometown, he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Matthew 13 and 58. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We are the ones that make our future. So they had authority to say no to God, and they did. 
They did not believe in Jesus and His gospel. They believed in the sickness and the curse, and they spoke it. And we can believe in the blessings of God and speak the blessings, or we can believe in the curse and speak the curse. We will have what we believe, because that's the Word of God. Numbers 14 and 28 says, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, surely as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, that have murmured against me. So they complained to the Lord that they were brought out into the wilderness to die, and the Lord heard this too many times. The Lord basically gave them what they said. And the Lord still does this today. The Bible declares that He does this. One of the fruits of a believer is that they believe in the heart and confess with their mouth. Romans 10 and 10. There are many people who profess to be believers, yet don't confess with their with their. Um, their benefits in Christ. So God says, what you say is what you will receive. Numbers 21 and 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Therefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. For there is no bread and there is no water and our soul loatheth this light bread. They confessed the curse. They confessed what they saw. So what is against God? They were against God. It's when God has spoken these awesome promises and we think that we know better and continue to agree with the curse. We walk by sight instead of by faith in His promises. For example, the ten spies who spoke and agreed with the curse and brought the bad report led to the threats made by God to those who believed those spies. Joshua and Caleb were the only two who brought the good report in agreement with God's promises. So, speaking against God can be more subtle than what people might think. When God says you're healed and you say you're not, then you will remain sick. And when God says He's taken away your sins, but you confess what you see and feel in the world, and you are speaking speaking again against God. You're confessing your sins, not to God, but to the world. Numbers 21 and 6 says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Once again, what they spoke is what they got. I believe the fiery serpents represent the curse. 
The cure for this was that God commanded Moses to make a fiery serpent out of brass and put it on a pole. And as the people got their eyes on the serpent on the pole, they were healed. In verse 8. And as we know, the cure was Jesus Christ, since He was the one who was made sin on our behalf and was crucified on a cross. So, we have a cure from the curse, but we must confess God to receive this cure. Those who profess Christianity but do not confess the benefits of the kingdom so that the curse which was put upon Jesus doesn't come on them. We can't gain the promises in Scripture without faith in those promises. Or, in other words, what we profess, we must mix with faith. Numbers 21 and 7. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord. And against thee, pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And when people pray, God is merciful, especially if they believe their prayers. But do you have to continue to live under the curse? It's necessary that when you can agree with God to have the fiery serpents bite you, huh? These serpents are the curse manifested in so many ways. The serpent is obviously also the devil, who is a vessel of dishonor that administers the curse on God's people, especially when they don't believe the benefits of God. Jesus told us, According to your faith be it done unto you. Matthew 9 and 29. And go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Matthew 8 and 13. You can speak things into coming to pass. If you speak life, you receive life. If you speak death, you receive death. It depends on what you have uh, your faith in. If your faith is in agreement with God's benefits, then you receive those benefits. If you agree with what is in the world, then you don't receive God's benefits and have loosed the devil. You have loosed the emissaries to continue to administer the curse on you. Many people are learning this and experiencing what I'm talking about. This is nothing new, but is the same gospel which is from the beginning. We have to have a renewed mind so that we understand what to believe and what we should speak. Faith can be both positive and negative. Proverbs 18 and 20. A man's belly shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. With the increase of his lips shall he be satisfied. So, would you like your needs to be met because of what you say? 
we would like our lips to come into agreement with the Word of God and learn more and more to walk in His benefits by confessing Him before men. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I remember back in Louisiana where I came from uh, that there was a church which had a visiting minister who was preaching about death and how it was not to be feared. I know the church and its circumstances and have been there. The minister was actually going to show them how simple it was to die. And he pulled up a chair, sat down, and said it was as simple as going to sleep. Then he nodded his head for an example, and he stayed like that for a while until the pastor, whom I know, got nervous and and went up and touched him on his shoulder and then shook him, and he was gone. He talked himself right off of this earth. What was God showing with this example? I remember Billy Graham saying the same thing. He said, the doctors told me that if I get up here today, uh, I won't make it through the sermon. And he didn't. (laughs) So there are some people who talk themselves right into the grave. Many people die before their time because their faith is to die. Their faith is to be cursed and to receive the things that are around them. Their faith is not what the Lord Jesus has given to them freely. Truly, death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is God's Word, and nothing is being taken away or being added to it. We need to agree with God's benefits to have them, and God will supply your every need to do His will if you learn to agree with Him. The tongue doesn't speak on its own. It gets its direction from your thoughts and the words that are in your mind. We need to watch our tongue so that we can correct our mind. That's one reason the Lord is telling us to be careful with what we say, because when we are careful, we are correcting our thoughts. He is telling us to be quick to hear and slow to speak. That way you can deny some thoughts, right? And that's why we have one tongue and two ears. (laughs) You're to hear more than you speak. Matthew 12 and 34, You offspring of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. If we want to speak good things, we need to put good things in our hearts and reject the other things that are there. I am sure that your mouth has spoken things that have slipped out that you wish you hadn't said. It's an automatic thing with some people. But we need to slow down and give the Lord time to correct our thinking. 
Good people speak good things, and bad people speak bad things. In some ways, we are both, since we are both son of man and son of God. But we also have authority over that part of us, which is still man. The Son of God in us has authority over that man. As the outer man decays, the inner man is renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. That spiritual man is taking over as we walk by faith and believe more and more of the Word of God and as we do more and more of Jesus Himself is being manifested in us. And he is taking more and more ground from the enemy. Matthew 12 and 35. The good man out of his good treasure bringeth forth good things, and the evil man out of his evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So those who get this revelation about the tongue spend much time talking about the tongue. But we must really begin with the heart. We have to repent, change our mind, which is what repent means, and believe what the Bible says. Changing your mind and repenting is renewing your mind with what the Word says and agreeing with what it says. But we must do it enough so that it overcomes our natural thinking. Our natural thinking is what kills us. And all those whose tongues are connected to their natural man. Matthew 12 and 36 says, And I say unto you that every idol, the Greek word there is argos, meaning unfruitful or barren, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of in the day of judgment. Now, you might think that's way down the road. But no, people get judged all the time here for what they say. And the Lord obviously wants His Word to bear fruit in us. But there are many words that are unfruitful and don't bear the fruit of Christ in us. Every idle word will bring judgment upon you. The day of judgment is not that day down the road, the corporate judgment, but it is the day of judgment that you come into. Your idle words, unfruitful or vain, will bring you into judgment. Many people have spoken the curse upon themselves, like the Israelites did. They confessed continuously that they would die in the wilderness, and it happened. God said, I'll, do, I'll give unto you according to your words, right? Matthew 12 and 37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. <clears throat> the words that justify are those words spoken in agreement with God. They are words confessing Jesus before God and men. Saying what He said and agreeing with what He has taught us in the Word and also by what He has put in the disciples to teach us in the Word.
we're accounted righteous or justified if we agree with God. If we don't agree, we fall under judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be condemned. If you disagree with God's word, it's like calling him a liar. God told the Israelites that he was going to bring them to the promised land. And they basically claimed that God was a liar and that he brought them to the wilderness to die. They spoke it from their mouth. And he finally said, As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. There are a lot of people who don't make it through the wilderness, what we call the world today. Hosea 4 and 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They agree with the curse and they receive the curse. It's, it's what they believe. It's their faith. So, see Jesus in the mirror. All that He is, is yours. He is God's gift to you. Anything you lack, He has. And when you look in the mirror and you see Jesus, that's saying, I've got this, I've got that, I am holy, I am overcome, I have health, I have wisdom, I have the, I do not have sin, on and on and on. Confess what you see in the mirror. Second Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, you can't do that naturally. This is an imagination. Are transformed into that same image or imagination from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. So, that's why we read the Word of God, to overcome all that garbage that's already in there that we need to repent or change our mind of, right? Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much, Lord, for this time. Uh, We bless this day. We thank you that you will bring these things to our remembrance so that we can confess you before men and be blessed. Thank you so much, Father. We love you and praise you. Amen. My thirsting soul, pure as water, made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Seated for all time. 